Hello bisexuals, welcome back to another episode of the Bisexual Agenda. I'm your host Kit Scales. Today I'm talking to my lovely sister Emily about fictional fashion icons and also 2002 Scooby-Doo the movie, which is obviously where I get all of my fashion inspiration. The only thing is, because me and Emily are both quite femme, most of the people we talk about in this episode are more on the high femme side, so butchers, you know I love you. If you have any fictional fashion inspirations, message me on Instagram at bisexualagendapod and I'm going to make a post with all the things and films that people have mentioned while I've been prepping for this episode. Me and Olivia are also going to be doing a new bisexual dilemma episode in April, so if you have a dilemma, message me and we'll see what we can do. I also just want to say as usual, all of the content warnings and trigger warnings are in the description and they've also listed everything that we mentioned in the episode and the agenda. Also just want to clarify, so at the end of the agenda, me and Emily talk about Emily's recent endometriosis diagnosis. That's hard to say. We never actually specified what we were talking about, but it's a menstrual disorder and it causes a lot of chronic pain around your period and irregularities in your periods. And if anyone is going to find that topic triggering, I'm just putting an extra warning in here. We do talk about some medical things, but nothing in detail. And hopefully that will be useful for anyone who has similar experiences. Just wait for all the sirens to stop. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. I'll be back again in a few weeks time. And I hope you're having a lovely weekend and Pisces season. when I made a post on my Instagram just being like does anyone have any ideas because I literally had like no brain cells in January um yeah. and someone said that we should do like fictional fashion icons and this was good because I feel like I've made Instagram posts before of like my favorite film fashion moments yeah you have so I was like well this is just an excuse for me to talk some more about Daphne's boots <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we watched Scooby-Doo the movie together and that was so cool. I didn't know that you could like watch DVDs at the same time. Apparently you can, Apparently. but you first need to burn them illegally onto this website. <laughs> it seems like a scam, but it's also It fun. seems like a scam, but it was fine and it didn't buffer. I know, it worked very well. I'm like, this Scooby-Doo movie burned from a CD from like 2002 is great quality. <laughs> I know, I was really surprised, but I was just like, I don't really want to pay 3 95 for the Scooby-Doo movie because I know that it is bad. Um, I think it's worth £3, but not worth giving Jeff Bezos £3. Exactly, I was like, I don't want him to profit off of my love of Daphne. The last time I bought a movie on Amazon Prime was me and Sam watched Parasite, and then the next day it was announced that he had become the most rich person in the world, and we were like, oh god, this is us. <laughs> $9.99 or something for Parasite and now and literally it goes against the whole ethos of the film I was like no that is fucked up do you have any thoughts about the film I don't know if anyone will have actually watched it when did it come out it's 2002 People so it's nearly watched it. okay it's nearly 10 years old I'll just do a quick plot summary 2002 yeah that's less than more than 10 years ago oh oh okay <laughs> let's start again <laughs> 19 years ago it it's came out. nearly 2013 guys <laughs> i was like i uh, don't know how she's getting that number but cool <laughs> i mean i'm annoyed because when i actually looked it up i did know it was 20 years ago but okay so yes <laughs> scooby-doo's movie is somehow nearly 20 years old and basically the plot is that the mystery gang have broken up because Fred was getting too fame hungry basically and like taking all the credit and everyone else was just kind of like a spare part and they weren't enjoying it yeah when everyone knows that Velma is the brains behind every operation yeah so they split up and then it goes forward I think is it two years later it's two two or three years yeah Okay, so it flashes forward to Shaggy and Scooby living in a camper van, and someone knocks on the door of the camper van. It's like, hey, we've got a mission for you. 
we really need you to solve this mystery of what's going on at this spooky island and the guy who owns it <laughs> actually to... named spooky <laughs> the guy who owns the theme park wants to like recruit you you're the only people that can solve it and you get free food while you're there so then they're like okay yes we're gonna do it and then all the gang kind of like bump into each other at the airport airport and realize that they've like all got the same invitations so they're reunited by this guy who is actually um mr bean who's in like a surprising number of films like he's in love actually he's in scooby-doo all the classics <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they try and solve the mystery and the mystery is that when teenagers come to the island when they leave they're like brainwashed and really aggressive they're very aggressive and they use slang in incorrect ways <laughs> And yeah, I don't I don't want to spoil how they solve the mystery, but it involves some gender swapping, body swapping. Uh, <laughs> it involves like a paddling pool full of souls. <laughs> it's true, it's a paddling pool full of floating heads. And Daphne and Velma look really slutty for the whole film. Yeah, Velma, like each of them has kind of undergone like some makeover during the two years so like well apart from fred fred's been on like a tour about a book about himself mm -hmm. velma has been working at nasa on missile defense <laughs> because that's what nasa does now and daphne has been like training to become like a martial arts master because she hates being the damsel in distress and wants to be able to fight i mean exactly so this was like really i don't know which wave of feminism it was but it was definitely <laughs> a burgeoning feminist audience it's true she wasn't going to be the damsel in distress anymore and basically it was like fred is mansplaining everything and that's why the, the team broke up <laughs> and fred gets a good haircut that's basically like the transformation for fred is just the hair and it, the personality is the same <laughs> And for some unknown reason, Pamela Anderson is in the film as herself at the beginning. At the start, she steps out of the car and you're like, fucking hell, Pamela Anderson's in there. And then she's gone. And the person that plays Daphne and the person that, that plays Fred are married. They are real life soulmates. And it's like the only reason I believe in love. They've if they break up, I'm just going to be crushed. I'm going to just Google how long they've been married. They've been together for like a really long time. They were together when they filmed Scooby-Doo, I think. It wasn't like they fell in love on the set of Scooby-Doo because that would have been amazing. But m maybe it brought them closer together. They were like, okay, you're definitely one. We've now started a Scooby-Doo Scooby live action movie together. This is soulmate level connection. Uh, I love it. So yeah, we've, we've already discussed the star signs that we think that the Scooby-Doo crew are. And I just feel like the film really like, it does reinforce my ideas that Daphne is definitely a Libra. Yes, 100%. Because I think I think Libras are underestimated a lot of the time. And they're like, well, I still want to wear a cute outfit, but I do want you to take me seriously. Just because she looks cute doesn't mean that she can't do anything. And there's just an iconic sequence where I, she's, like, I, like, wrestling. I Oh, yeah, the iconic wrestling scene where she's still wearing the, the boots. She wears the boots for the whole film. But, like, I'm glad that they didn't make give her the makeover that's, like, oh, she's, like, not, a, not she doesn't like fashion and, and makeup anymore. She's, like, serious. They're just, like, she's literally the exact same, but she's a badass bitch. They're, like, well. now she's a bimbo who can fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she fights this, like, there's a henchman for the evil person that's, like, a wrestler, and they just have a massive fight scene, and it's great. She puts his head through a door. They do a lot of, like, bouncing off like ropes oh my gosh i'm actually just gonna google what the budget was for the scooby-doo <laughs> movie because i feel like it was actually like they have a lot of um pranks not pranks stunts <laughs> they have pranks and stunts That's oh true. my and god have, well yeah and they have a lot of um celebrity appearances because they have pamela anderson they also have that guy like uh you know in the scene where there's like a band playing um, yeah and i don't know who he is He's like someone Ray. I only know him from the Sugar Gay video. Have you, have you seen that? No. It's just this guy saying Sugar Gay at him and he gets really angry. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched that video. I feel like you've shown me that video. Cody Ko and Noel did a video reacting to it. Okay, that probably is why. Okay, so do you want to guess the budget for Scooby-Doo, the movie? Four million. It's higher. Ten million. It's 84 million. <laughs> <laughs> 
I actually can't believe that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like I need to get the, the cost of some other film just for some comparison here. Well, I'm Googling the films with an 84 million budget because I want to know, like, what else? Oh my gosh. Um, two, two Scooby-Doo's equals one Titanic. <laughs> okay, apparently just, like, every single film has a huge budget because I've never heard of The Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, but that had an <laughs> 84 million budget. Nutty Professor 2, what about The Clumps? Yeah. What's The Clumps? <laughs> Godzilla had a budget of 130 million. That doesn't surprise me because the main character is like CGI. I feel like mm. that's something we should clarify. In the movie, Scooby Doo is CGI. He's not a real dog. Yeah, and I kind of think it has to be that way because he talks. He talks and also he like has facial expressions that a dog can make. Oh, but yeah, basically every day of my life since I saw that film, I've wanted to own all of Daphne's outfits. And I don't even wear lilac, and, like, lilac I don't think is a colour you can really wear unless you wear all lilac. But... It's true. I want those lilac boots, and I've dreamed about them for a long time. And once, when I was working in the library, I saw this girl wearing boots exactly like that, and I literally, like, went into the group study room, and I was like, I'm so sorry, but where did you find these boots? And she was like, I found them in a charity shop, and I was like, no. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah. It's but that means that, that somewhere out there there must be more. Well, there are they are you can like find like costume versions of them online, but like I want to wear them as a practical shoe. That's true, that well they are a practical shoe. <laughs> they couldn't be downgraded to a costume shoe. Ugh, it's just legendary. I wouldn't have enjoyed watching that film as much if I hadn't have watched it when I was a kid, but I swear I haven't seen it for like fifteen years or something. It's true. I think if you watched it and you've never seen it before as an adult, you'd just be like, this is weird. When you watched it as a kid, it's just like other films where you're like, oh, just bang, this is great. <laughs> so yeah, Daphne's boots, they're always going to be the number one for me. But everyone in the gang has like a very specific look. Yeah, and it does like, the soundtrack is also really good. Like, Yeah, they had a lot of original songs that really go hard. <laughs> I mean, they had a lot of money to spend. Fair it's true. Let me see what else I wrote down. So I do have like some, most of them are like real people. They're not like cartoons. And then I've just put a few shows that I just think have like really good costumes in general. First one I've put is Cruella de Vil. 100%. Just because when I was a toddler, I had like an orange bomber jacket that had like iron on. It had like Dalmatian like patches on it. Oh, wow, I don't remember that. I must be too young. Yeah, well, it was when I was super baby. And then when I was, like, in sixth form, I basically wore a Dalmatian print coat, like, every day of my life. It's true. That really was, like, my brand, that, like, era. And I just love it. I feel like there's, like, loads of cool videos on YouTube about, like, queer coding of Disney villains and stuff, and it is super interesting. So I feel like we don't really need to go down the alley, because I feel like a lot of people know that. True. I think she just looks great, and I just love that they like put so much cigarette holder. I feel like there's like a formula that they follow for like the evil witch in Disney, and like you can't really tell any of them apart. It's true. But Cruella's like hot and fashionable. She's got like she's so skinny, and her coat is so massive. (laughs) I'm like, how is she holding that up? Oh, she just looks so good. Like it's amazing. And Caddy always tells me a story about like when they were younger, and they like had a tantrum because they weren't cast as Cruella in like the play. <laughs> That's so funny. Wow. Oh. We did also, we had a Dalmatian costume as well. Do you remember? Oh my that? god, well the second you said that I remember that because didn't it have like it had a waistcoat. That, I feel like it had things that you strapped around your wrist that had like a puppy paw. <laughs> it had a waistcoat and a tail and like feet and hand paw things. Oh my god. It was great. It's so weird. That just, and like, a lot of Velcro, you know, like kids' costumes where it's just like basically Velcro holding everything together. So yeah, Cruella. And then my only other um, like cartoony thing that I have is just in general, I feel like every like, all the like Totally Spies and Kim Possible that I watched just made me really want to own a cat suit. I agree. I literally thought that as you said it. And like, especially a cat suit that either has the boots attached or like <laughs> they just blend in seamlessly. It's got to be head-to-toe coordination, <laughs> yeah, which like, upsets uh, me because I don't have any, like, I have one pair of shoes, so I'm never the head-to-toe coordinated person. 
I mean, same. But, like, if I... I always think, like, when I see celebrities' costumes at Halloween, I'm like, like, if I ever had the kind of budget to, like, splash out on my Halloween costume, I would go for the cat suit. Yeah, same. That's the kind of thing that it's only going to look good if it fits really well. Oh, God. Well, no one wants fucking baggy PVC. (laughs) (laughs) Baggy cat suit. (laughs) Oh, God. But, yeah, beautiful, gorgeous. And I also remember Team Rocket from Pokemon. Yeah, you always talk about that. I just don't remember that. They're bisexual icons. They just cause trouble and they wear cool crop tops. Maybe I didn't like them because they were too rebellious and I was a goody two-shoes. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the real people. So the one that I posted on my stories, and this is the reason why I've wanted a Juicy Couture tracksuit for like my whole life, even <laughs> though that I would look terrible in one and they're really expensive, <laughs> is Gabby from Desperate Housewives. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. I just feel like the only thing that mum and dad did right was letting us watch Desperate Housewives when we were like 11 years old. <laughs> Literally, I, I'm just like, I'm glad that we just did it as a family activity. We watched Desperate Housewives as a family, which is so strange. <laughs> but also it was like, we all just enjoyed it. It wasn't like, oh, it's one of those trashy shows. I freaking love Desperate Housewives. Um, the storylines, it can't because the storylines are... more than ridiculous they're just insane everyone is like a caricature but in like the perfect amount like Bree's like the super uptight controlling type a housewife and then susan's just annoying as fuck gabby's the like annoying and everyone understands that she's annoying (laughs) gabby's like so shallow woman who's trying to have a career and kids at the same time and her husband is like the most useless piece of shit sometimes (laughs) it's Like they just go off about Tom Scarvo. Literally, I think about him and it makes me like angry. He just pisses me off. He's not pulling his weight in the relationship. He's really not. I hate it. (laughs) What star sign do you think Gabby is? Ooh, a Leo. Yeah, I think it's got to be Leo. I feel like if you're like, I love you because you embezzled a hundred, like a million dollars or whatever. I feel like that's very Leo. It's like. She likes the drama of the street, I think. She wouldn't want to move somewhere where there wasn't, like, any murders and, like, crazy shit going on. (laughs) Oh, she just looks so good. Like, there were so many, like, scenes where she would just be wearing, like, a really nice, like, silk La Perla slip or something, like, for the whole day. She looked fucking amazing. She's always got the, like, bandeau top, but, like, it would never look, like, bad. I just don't know how... She always looks so good, even when the fashion was bad. Like, low-rise jeans. That's true. And, like, she a bandeau. She's got that body. Oh, okay, I'm just looking at pictures of her now, and it's amazing. Her skin is just beaming. It's true. She's got amazing skin. And wow. Like, she looks does good. it perfectly. She does the perfect, like, comfy glam. It's true. She's like, I literally don't do anything to make money, but I'm just, and I'm just going to dress like this around the house and like, because I'm not doing anything strenuous. You can tell she never does anything strenuous. I think she's a star. When I win the premium bomb million, one of the first things I'm going to do is buy like three Gabby outfits. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You need like a collection of different colored silk robes to answer the door in. (laughs) And then my summer fashion vibes. It's got to be... Do you want to guess who it is? No, I have no idea. (laughs) Miss Honey. Okay, I was thinking that. And I thought of that and then I was like, I think I'm more of... Like, the scene where Matilda's a kid and she's going to the library is exactly how I dress. (laughs) Every day. Matilda is a bi-fashion icon. Everyone knows that. I feel like everyone in that film looks very bisexual. Like, no straight man wears a bowl (laughs) (laughs) hat. It's true. It's the perfect, like, oh, I'm I'm just going to a picnic. Yeah, like, I just went to the farmer's market where I bought some ethically sourced honey. Oh, and, like, nice. I love glasses representation in cinema that isn't, we took this person's glasses off and now they're hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Anytime a character is allowed to keep their glasses <laughs> is a triumph. <laughs> it's a win. So that's kind of gay summer vibes. And then... I did put Alana from Broad City because I feel like a lot of the time when I was watching that show, I was like, oh, I wonder where that's from. Because a lot of the fashion in Broad City is obviously like affordable and high street fashion. Whereas like, I Desperate just love Housewives, it's like... She's wearing the dog hoodie. <laughs> 
I don't remember that. I just remember her wearing like a strappy crop top a lot that I really wanted. I think she just looks good. It, it looks less like a character wardrobe and more just like someone calls actual wardrobe. Yeah, because it's nice when you're like, oh yeah, I believe that that person would like have all those things and wear them in like a kind of random way. Yeah, I I agree. Another thing that I think is fairly similar is Mickey from Love. Okay. Because me and Maura freaking love that show. That was my like depression show that I would always watch. (laughs) Because I just feel like Mickey has BPD and like anxiety and depression. And she just is like, is I really like her character because I don't think... Even if they tried to, even if it was like male writers trying to write a like, here's this quirky hot girl trope. I think Jillian or whoever she is who played her just did the character so perfectly of that like person that you know who is always having fun but is always like on the edge of having a breakdown. Yeah, I agree. It's like chaotic and you're like, I really want things to go right for you, but they keep going wrong. She wears like a swimsuit and jeans and she looks great. Wow, that's quite a look. Yeah, well, she, like, takes, like, too many... I don't know, she takes some, like, Ambien or something and then wakes up and, like, goes to this, like... She goes to a club... She thinks she's going to a club, but it's actually, like, one of those, like, New Age churches. (laughs) (laughs) And she's just wearing a swimming costume and jeans. That is great. I really like Elle Woods. I thought of someone who is good. Who is that? Elle Woods, obviously. (gasps) Elle Woods, yes. L Woods, especially, um, and I feel like this is one of the celebrity costumes that Kim Kardashian did really well when she did, she did like a parody of the L Woods video that she sends into Harvard and she got the outfits down like perfectly. She has the perfect like, um, sequined bikini. It's great. It's amazing. Obviously she wears a lot of pink and they're like cute outfits and stuff, but I like the outfit she wears where she wears that like weird blue dressing gown. Do you remember that? First, I think it's the first day she goes in. Mm, yes, 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 yes. And she's like, I'm going to dress like a business bitch today. And I have no idea why she picked that out. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so strange, but I love it. I'm like, I like that she was like, I'm going to pivot from my old like pink outfits to this weird blue dressing gown and everyone's going to love it. I mean, yeah, the costume in that film is really good, and also like so good. I wish that's how I want my hair to look every day. Oh my god, it's so shiny! It's so glorious. It's like bouncy. You can tell that she has those like heat up rollers that you put in your hair. I just can't believe that Reese like was like, oh yeah. By the way, I'm going to write into the contract that I'm going to keep all the outfits, and the outfits are so good. I know that was a really good shout. I wonder if she ever wears them, because I really would. like. I'd have, like, dress-up parties and be like, everyone, let's wear these pink outfits. Oh, my God. You could have a sleepover with your friends and you could all wear an outfit from Legally Blonde. Be like, I'm from this scene, and you could do act it out. Oh, my God. I wish I was Reese. She just kind of, like, scares me because she's so energetic. It's true. I feel like it was... Some, sometimes it's like kind of great something because I'm just like, okay, we get it. You're like really happy. But then most of the time I'm like, she's just nice. I feel like I've forgotten what her star sign is, but I think it's Aries. Or I don't know if I just guessed that and then it was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Googling it, but my phone's we being... We're both Googling. Reese. 22nd of March, I think it is. Yes. I mean, anyone who has that much energy is probably an Aries, to be honest. It's true. At least a fire sign. Let's see who else I've got on my list. Oh, in the middle of the night, it came to me that Moira from Schitt's Creek has to be included. Uh, yes, 100%. Just for wigs alone. Are we doing a wig section? <laughs> Let's transition to the wig section. <laughs> this is part of the podcast where we just talk about the wigs that we have enjoyed. <laughs> And yeah, like when they did the behind the scenes thing, they were like, we basically spent most of the budget for the first season on the outfits because we knew that that was going to like make it look high budget. Yeah, Um, I agree. They can be like, this is this super rich family and like now they're just wearing normal clothes because they would not do that. Oh, I love it. I feel like Alexis. I feel like everyone in that, because Alexis also has a very specific style that's like very headbandy. Alexis's style is very <laughs> spiky crown, and I'm like, you literally work at a vet's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's very Vanessa Hudgens at Coachella. That's true. It's like a little bit too over accessorized, but it kind of is pulled off. So you're like, well, she can do it. She looks very good, and she looks very good in things that like aren't particularly like in style. Do you know That's what I mean? True. It's like it's not like trendy clothes. They're just like 
her own weird she wears a lot of like poncho-y things yeah she's just like i'm a hippie slut (laughs) (laughs) it's it's true that is the outfit that is the style that she's Oh, um, there's this girl who runs this bry astrology account on Instagram, and I really like her. And she loves Shit's Creek, and she loves Insecure. And I feel like both those shows. I really want to talk about the star signs of all the people on the show. And I think Insecure also has a really good fashion because Molly looks so good. Oh, she does look amazing. Like Molly is always wearing monochrome suits that are in like gorgeous, like burnt orange or like a really nice like wine red. Sometimes I'm just like, I really wish I had the budget to have like a couple of really nice suits, but I would just, just it's so expensive. I'm so expensive. I believe in you. I feel like you would look very good in one of those like baby blue suits. Oh my god. Okay, I'm glad you said that because there was a like a powder blue suit at and other stories for ages, and I was like, oh, I really want it, but then the trousers went in the sales. So I've got the trousers. Oh my god, they're halfway there, Emily. <laughs> they're amazing. They're like really good trousers. They they look amazing. That's they really do good for the long legs. I agree. The powder blue suit is like really the vibe I'm after. And like, okay, powder blue suit and then legally blonde hair. Okay, that's the aspirations that we're going That for. is the goal. Whereas I just want Daphne's boots at a cat suit. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yours is more practical for like the real world and mine is just like I really want to look good at a costume party once in my life that is I respect that okay I can't remember who else I put down but I guess we could talk about our favorite Moira outfits because I just love that she wears like so much black because like it's I also wear all black but obviously I'm not wearing like Alexander McQueen but I do <laughs> I love like when she just wears like all these crazy like long layers and stuff and a lot of the stuff she's wearing I'm like I don't like this but it looks great it's true she's always wearing like it looks like she's wearing at least 18 things at all times (laughs) it's never like oh there's a top and a skirt it's like there's a top there's a skirt there's a weird bit of fabric here there's a weird bit of fabric here I don't know what my favorite wig is I just love the wig wall whoever thought of that was just a genius iconic I like the red wigs yeah I wish she wore more of the ginger wigs I think they look good. They go. They look good with the black outfits. And I like the like pastel pink highlights one. Oh yeah, they did a great job on getting the outfits. And I love that they were like Patrick has no wardrobe. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick's wardrobe is just like a man who works in consultancy. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I imagine the people at Home Depot dress. Home Depot. Oh, is it not Depot? I thought it was Home Depot. Mm, Okay, I've never been there, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but I imagine everyone who works there looks like Patrick. I think Patrick looks a little bit too professional. I mean, let me see who the next people on my list are. This is like a one-off item. But this is something that I just remembered. When I was a kid, I really wanted to have the dress that the Good Witch wears in Wizard of Oz. Oh yeah, 100%. It's just so large. Like how how did they get it to be nearly perfectly round? That's true. I often am sad about the fact that, like, really big dresses aren't in. Yeah, I want someone to have to literally force me through a doorway. (laughs) Yeah, I want want it to be, like, impractical to walk around. (laughs) I uh, I would just love to be, like, swishing around in, like, loads of giant skirts. I know, and your, like, pants are basically, like, jodhpurs. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I do have, like... A weird obsession with those videos of like people who dress like old timey people and they're like watch me get into my outfit and they like put on all the corsets and all the underskirts oh shit i've never seen that have you they watched emma? Me. have you watched the new film of emma no i really want to watch it though it has anya taylor joy i've watched it twice it's really good it's like the yeah. only period drama that i actually like because the pace is like quite fast and it's got yeah. bill nye and he's so cute oh my god bill nye and then i could only think of one book where the the fashion really like added and that was fingersmith by sarah waters which i have not read okay well basically (laughs) it's about a little twink (laughs) in like the victorian times what's the other book that she did uh she's done loads of books but the other one she did is um wait i'm not actually talking about fingersmith i'm talking about tipping the velvet i've got them mixed up Okay, because one of them was like 
the published the day is the day I was born or something. Mm. Wow. Because I was doing a thing where you had to you had to pick a oh maybe it was the year I was born, but you had to pick one book that was from the year you were born. And I looked up and I was like, "Good, a gay book." <laughs> I was born to be this gay Victorian twink. <laughs> yes, a sickly gay Victorian. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I was I had written down Fingersmith, but I'm talking about Tipping the Velvet. So basically, this like girl from a tiny town um, meets. A girl who does drag, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And then they fall in love, and then they run away to London, and they do, like, a duo performance. And they have loads of costumes that are them in drag, and it just seems super cool. I would love to see it. And then she, they, like, have a massive falling out, and she runs away and then pretends to be a boy and, like, lives on the street and then gets picked up by this older woman and then becomes that older woman's, like, live-in lover. It gets a bit dodgy, but... It's just iconic that, like, she's just, like, dressing as a boy all the time, probably looking amazing. Ooh. Uh, I would love to see that. Like, they did me- make, like, a BBC series of it, but I don't trust the BBC to make good queer content. No, 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 no. So you I know when you can just get that the vibe is not good, and then I'm like, I don't want to watch it because I just don't think it's going to work out for me. But that was, like, the only book I could think of where I was, like, imagining those outfits was really fun. Oh, I used to when I was a ki- when I was like a teenager. I read this series of books that was like set in it was like high society in New York mm-hmm. in the olden times, and that was cool. That one always had like cool outfits and drama. It was like Gossip Girl, but it was set in like the olden days. Oh, that makes me think of Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Yes, also another book that I was like, I can just envisage all of the outfits right now. I know they're making a TV show, and I'm just like, if that if that costuming isn't right, I'm gonna scream. I know it's like if you don't give me an emerald gown, (laughs) the emerald gown, yes. Okay, I'll add that on your list. Thanks, and this is just building our dream wardrobes as well. I fucking love it. And then I had written down the search party has good fashion, but I haven't watched that for a while. But I just remember there being like a good silk pink bomber jacket. Ooh. And I also just love, I never know if it's Alia or Alia, but I love her. She has a lot of freckles. I would count oh. that as the number one accessory to have. So cute. I and love she, dr- she just dresses kind of like a granny, but that's kind of how you would dress. I respect that. I don't dress like, I dress like I have a, like, like I don't have a figure. <laughs> and then, okay, and then, but when then, when I'm going on a night out or something, I dress really girly. So then people were like, oh my, what? <laughs> People are like, we never knew you had a body, Emily. I'm like, you have boobs. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just love baggy jumpers and cardigans. I'm just looking through the TV shows I've watched to see if anyone's, anyone I'm like, yes, this is an outfit. Oh my gosh, the proposal. Sandra Bullock in a suit. Oh my God. <laughs> she looks amazing. Oh, I guess Ocean, Ocean's 8 is a good one too. That's a film where like, you know, in the bit where they're walking down the steps at the Met Gala, and I was like literally gasping out loud. I was like, oh my god, they look so good. Yeah, Rihanna, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I also have to shout out to the the people who dressed the core three in Harry Potter because when they're like not in the school uniform, they That's really true. went hard for like the, like, Harry just wears the same grey t-shirt for, like, four years. <laughs> I mean, he does live un- in a cupboard. <laughs> he, does, he does, but I just appreciate that. And then, like, I like the film where they're all wearing stripy jumpers. Yeah, they were like, this is the cottage core. Like, oh, literally. Energy. It looks great. I'm like, I could fit right in with that crowd. That's they wouldn't true. even notice I was there. When I was, like, 12 or, like, 13, 14... When Hermione comes out in the, like, purple dress at the Yule Ball, I was like, wow, I want to be that girl. How pretty! Oh my gosh. She looks good. It's so funny in the book how they're like, she has to take, like, 18 potions for her hair to be (laughs) acceptable. She takes, like, eight hours and they're like, and she's like, I barely made it to the Yule Ball because I was doing my hair for so long. And and also that's the iconic scene in the film where Ron has to wear that, like, weird... (laughs) shaggy cloak that is from his grandma or something. <laughs> the dress robes, are they from Aunt Maud or something? Great Aunt, Aunt Bessie or something? <laughs> I, I think it's fun that they had to obviously look like normal kids 
from that era and they were just like you're just gonna wear gray t-shirts or like t-shirts with a t-shirt underneath nice oh i'm doing that today i like a. I, I always think that looks cool but then i'm like i actually just look like a boy from 2008 i mean that's kind of my style right now like when i'm <laughs> indoors i look like a teenage boy who doesn't go outside enough which is kind of what i am right now I was on Zoom yesterday and I realised that my face was the same colour as the wall behind me and I was just crushed. I think that's everyone I had written down, but I feel like that gives like a good summary of my like aspirations in fashion life, which are basically like I want to dress in the most impractical way possible. Mine is just I wish I had more power suits. That's cool. I mean, yeah, you do have a lot of Capricorn. You're like a Capricorn cusp, aren't you? Yes. I'm <sighs> secretly a Cap- Capricorn but I'm too lazy to pull it off. I mean, that's probably the thing that's going to save you because every Capricorn I know like needs like. I'd be an overworker, but I'm like I actually don't love work enough for it to become my whole identity, which is saving me. Thank God! Yay! I just like can't wait till we can like dress over the top again. Like I'm just looking at my wardrobe. Like the other day, I was looking at my like mesh Barbie bodysuit, and I was just like, "This has not seen the light of day for quite some time." Everything in my wardrobe is getting good use, apart from like summer clothes. So that's fine. Mm, I am looking forward to like summer because I'm just sick of all the clothes I've been wearing. Yeah, that's fair. I'm starting to transition into more spring wear now. Mm, that's nice. It's been really sunny today. It has been really sunny. I had a freshly squeezed orange juice. It was delicious. I felt like I was at a hotel. You're living a life of luxury. All you need is your pastel blue suit jacket. (laughs) I really wish I got the jacket, but they didn't have it anymore. That's so sad. I mean, you could always look on eBay or something. Yeah, I'm sure it'll show up again in my life. I believe in you. Okay, let's do the agendas. So I have some stuff written down, but I'll let you do yours first. No, I want you to do yours first. You want me to do mine first? Okay, so I think mine is pretty quick, but it was just some things that I want to tell people about. So those okay. candles that I got you for your birthday, yeah, um, they're from Golden Hour Co. And um, this girl in Leeds makes them, and she's so sweet. Like, she always writes a note in the thing, like, thank you so much for ordering. But I think those candles are literally the best, because they have, like... Not the same sense that everyone does, but yeah. I've liked all of the ones that I've tried. And she does like the tea light sets, so you can like try out a scent before you buy a big one. Yes, I thought they were they weren't like generic scents that you could just get anywhere. Yeah. Like so if you want a candle and you're in the UK, get some candles from there. I'll put a link, and she always has like discount codes. They're eco friendly. Like the packaging is recyclable, and she's always posting like videos on her Instagram of like how to like clean out the packaging and like make sure that your candle lasts forever but yeah I think they're really good my favorite one is the chai one but that was like special edition but the fireside one smells a bit similar but also has orange Mm. yum love it and then I was just gonna say that everyone should watch junior bake-off because it doesn't have the elements that make normal bake-off annoying now which is Paul Hollywood and Paul Hollywood that racist giant baby Who shall not be named. <laughs> it's so good and so cute and like... I oh. oh, I've just fallen in love with those kids and now and now we've got to the end of it. I'm just like, I miss them. Like, I actually miss seeing them. Your faves of this year's Bake Off. I'll see if we agree. Okay, so my son is Henry. Yeah! He's just this little nerd who has like a toy penguin with him. Is it a penguin? <laughs> He has a toy penguin and a little red hat that he wears. He has a little red hat and he just, like, looks like that boy that is, like, half the height of everyone else in school. Yeah, year and seven, you're like, Jesus, that kid's smaller than the backpack they're wearing. I basically love any kid that's just like, yeah, I'm kind of weird, but, like, <laughs> I'm having a fun time, so... It's true. Oh, I love Henry. He's adorable. <laughs> and then I just love Naima. Naima, yes. I love the fact that she literally took the piss out of Harry. Harry Harry Hill is the, like, presenter. Yeah. Basically goes around and, like, does little jokes and, like, tries to make the kids laugh. And she flat out, like, refused to laugh if she didn't think the joke was funny. She'd just be like, are you paid for this? (laughs) 
like literally go off but then when she then when he did actually make her laugh it was funny because you were like she really doesn't want to laugh but she is doing it oh my god she was so cute i just like loved everything about her and it's really cute because the challenges will be like oh make a cake based on what you want to be when you grow up or like make a cake based on like for a family member or like someone special to you. And Henry made a birthday cake for both of his cousins, even though they have birthdays on a different day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh. Oh, so yeah, it's amazing. Harry Hill is actually a good presenter because he is good with kids. Yeah, he makes them laugh. And it's like, like, and also I quite like how they... Sometimes they're like, I'm, you know, when kids are like, I'm actually older than you think I am. And like, Mm. I'm not a kid. I don't Mm. think find things like that funny. And then he does like a really silly joke and they all start laughing. And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Yes, it's a good, they get a good little bond. And I like it when they help, they always help each other. And they like, oh, it's so sweet. When someone starts crying, they're like, no, you can do this. We'll come over and help you. Like in normal Bake Off, if someone's finished their bake, they just sit on the stool and like drink a cup of tea and on junior bake-off they're like who needs help like (laughs) something for you like i'll get it out of the fridge and i'm like oh my gosh yeah the only problem is someone needs to speak to the producer and get fridges that aren't taller than the children (laughs) genuinely my favorite part was just the first because they do two weeks of heats and then they do a week of finals with the best kids Mm. from the two heats and on the first episode of each heat they just, they were making cakes and they had to put them in the freezer, which was at the top of the fridge. And a lot of them, it was over their heads. So they would try and take it out and the cakes would just fall on there. <laughs> and they were just bouncing around. And the amount of like, I think at least 70% of the cakes went went on the floor at one time. I like, I like how in Adult Bake Off, if something gets dropped, it's like, that's the main drama of the episode. Like, that person it's like, I can't serve that, it's going in the bin. Whereas on this one, like, they just pick it up and put it back Literally pick it up, it's like theirs. It's fine. And like, even if it completely crumbles, they're like, oh, I can just like shove some icing over the top. I love it. It's so cute. It's like even more lower stakes than actual Bake Off. It's so low stakes. Like, and the judges, especially at the start, they give everyone good feedback. Even if you can tell that they're like, this is basically inedible. They're like... <laughs> I like the fact that you tried to do this with the decoration. <laughs> oh like, my god! I never want to eat that again. The best one was when someone used like was it Naima? They used salt Naima instead used of salt sugar. Sugar, and they were like doing this. You could see them eating it and being like, "What the heck is this?" <laughs> yes, I agree. I loved Henry and Naima, and I also loved Fern because she was the other baby. She was only ten. And she announced, they did like a, oh, you have to do a cake about what you want to be when you grow up. And she was like, I'd like to be a, a pediatric surgeon consultant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She was like, I have my 50-year career path planned out. <laughs> it was so funny, but she just made me laugh. I agree. Junior Bake Off for the win. I just think everyone should watch that. Oh, I also watched Blown Away on Netflix because Caddy recommended oh, it to me. watch this. It's a glass blowing competition and it's American. So it doesn't have the like wholesome like bake off energy. It's a bit more chaotic. But the episodes are actually really short. It's like 20 minutes. Because basically when they're blowing the glass, you're like, well, that's just red hot glass. Like you can't really tell what it is. And then at the end you see all the things they've made and it's really cool. And yeah, I just want them to like make more series. Because it's cool to like show like a really niche thing. Because it's like obviously most people have baked a cake, but like... I like things like that. I like the sewing bee and pottery throwdown, and I can't do either of those things. Yeah, and also there is someone bisexual on Blown Away. Yeah. That's my second one. And then my third one is a pasta sauce recipe. I love it. So basically, I love cookie and cake, which is like the unproblematic straight woman food blog that I love. Yes, love cooking, Kate. That's where the Zoog, original Zoog oh, recipe. Zoog. So yeah, basically she makes a pasta sauce and I think she uses it in like another recipe, not even as a pasta sauce. I think it was in that like giant stuffed shells thing I made that had like the ricotta <laughs> and spinach filling and then it has this like tomato sauce poured over the top. Delicious. But you literally just put like, so usually I do two cans of tomatoes because then it just makes more. So two cans of chopped tomatoes in a pan with like, two tablespoons of oil, and then half an onion, just whole, just a whole half onion. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, and like three whole garlic cloves or like four, whatever you want. Yeah. And some chili flakes and some like mixed herbs. And then you bring it to the boil and then you simmer it for 45 minutes and you just stir it like every 10 minutes. And then you blend, you take the onion out and you blend the rest. Oh, okay. I really, I feel like I want to try this. It's really good. And then you just, when you, so you can make it before you do your pasta and just like leave it on the side. And then when you make your pasta, you just like add a bit of pasta water in to make it a bit more saucy, but not very much like a couple of spoons and I like having it with some I know you don't like capers but I like putting a little spoon of capers and I also like doing it with broccoli so like spaghetti broccoli and the pasta sauce and it just has like an amazing rich flavor and I'm just Mm. like oh my god all this time I could just have not been chopping onions that's true that is like I literally text Sam all the time being like I every time I cook I'm like I wish you were here to cut the onion up it's just like it's one step too far cutting that onion I'm, I'm definitely, like, when I was younger, it took me ages to learn how to chop an onion, and it took me so long. But now I'm, like, fine, but it just annoys me because he's so much faster, and then I'm like, I just wish that someone else was there to do it, you know? I just love that pasta sauce, and now it's, like, the only pasta sauce I'm ever going to make because it's so easy, but it tastes so good. And, like, if you're someone that never makes your own pasta sauce, I feel like this is the one to try because it's as easy as just pouring a jar, like... It's and iconic. I bet it tastes way more delicious. The only thing you need is a like stick blender. You don't need like a proper blender. Yeah. But even if you didn't blend it, you just have to... So she says you can just like mash up the garlic cloves with like a fork. Yeah. Um. But ooh, wow. it's so good. And I think it would be really good <laughs> as the like tomato sauce element in a lasagna. I'm going to make that next week. It's amazing. I just had to tell everyone... Me- I don't need much convincing to eat pasta, though. I was just like, nothing on my bisexual agenda is bisexual, but it's things that bisexuals need in their lives. (laughs) It's very true. What's on your agenda? We're doing a back-to-back agenda today. Um, My first thing is a podcast that is not this podcast. I mean, people... Turn off. (laughs) Um, It's a podcast called Mega, and it's basically... This is... You're going to think this is mad but i really like it okay um it's basically by these two comedians they're basically taking the piss out of like mega churches in america and like bible belt people and they do they like basically improv the episode and they're playing these two characters who work at this mega church which is fake it's like a fictional mega church and then they have um someone on the episode who like so who also is at the mega church and sometimes they they run a society at the church so they've got like crossfit for the lord and like um the other day they had a doggy daycare focused on christian dogs okay it's <laughs> but it's so good i literally love it i i started listening to it a while ago and i started from the start which i kind of feel like you should i would do a I was going to listen to it because there's a lot of like running jokes um, about because they play the same character every time. You kind of like need to get to know the characters yeah. to get some of the jokes. I feel like if something has like less than like 200 episodes, it's fine to start. Oh, yeah. Start like even because like when I started listening to the Friend Zone, they had like 250 episodes already. But I was like, I don't get any of their jokes, and like I know I'm just gonna find think, it way I better. I think you could dip into it, but I think you get like more of you get more of the jokes when you've been listening to it for a while, and there's like, oh, it's just so funny. And um, yeah, I started listening to it a while ago, and now I've only got like four episodes left until I'm caught up and I'm like no don't do this to me I need more episodes but they have a Patreon and they do like a mini episode Mm -hmm. halfway through the week so now I'm like am I about to sign up to this Patreon just to listen to more episodes about the fake church (laughs) (laughs) that does sound funny I think I did see that advertised to me and I was like okay that sounds random I really love it it really is like exactly the kind of humor that I like um it's just so funny and like the woman on the show she like grew up in like a really christian household and like her dad was a pastor and stuff Mm. so she's like basically taking the piss out of like all the stuff that was messed up about it and it's just great i love it it's definitely weird and like i get i feel like you just have to listen to it and like see if it's your vibe Mm. or not but if it is then you're gonna like really love it and then you're like nothing compares to this show and it has a really good like intro song so i'm always like 
I got so addicted to the song and I was like always singing it. And then one episode it changed and I was like, oh my God, the song is different. But then it went back to the same song. Oh God, it was okay. just for that one. So. I'm going to listen to one and then we can talk about it. Um, And then the other thing, I've just put a uterus bitch. Okay. Uterus equals bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like when I had Cassandra on this show, I didn't say Cassandra on the snow because her name is Cassandra <laughs> Snow. <laughs> when I had Cassandra on and she was talking about like vaginismus, it's like... It's so depressing to me that, like, sexism literally affects everything. Like, people haven't even studied the problems that you have because of sexism in science. It's just kind of crazy and it makes me mad that it's just, like, pain is so normalised that you start to, like, question yourself of, like, oh, maybe it isn't actually that bad and I'm just being dramatic. And I'm like, no. Yeah, well, it's really difficult because... Like, people don't talk openly about um, periods. People don't actually know when their period is doing something that it shouldn't do. Like, yeah. if you have irregular periods, you should go to a doctor because yeah. that's a There's problem. There's kind of the ethos that, like, not the ethos, but, like, the the concept that periods are just horrible and, like, it's just something you have to go through. is like, it's just meant that, that so many people are suffering through stuff that they shouldn't actually be suffering through. Yeah, and, and it's, it's like, like, actually, in reality, everyone's period is different. Like, you could have a seven-day cycle or a two-day cycle. Like, you could have cramps, you could have no cramps. And it's weird because I used to have such bad period cramps, like, when I was younger. And then when I was ill and they stopped my periods for a year, when they came back, I've never had a cramp since. It's wild. I don't know, it just makes me mad. And, like, obviously, I'm seen I've like had a lot of like actual things at the hospital and like scans and stuff recently and it's just like crazy how long like I've been having my period for six years which is a very long time to just be in pain and I'm only just getting the GPs to be like okay we'll send you for a scan and see if anything is wrong and like the amount of times that they just told me like oh it's normal like you'll just have to deal with that And I don't think there's any other condition where they would just say that. Yeah, I guess it's, like, similar to, like, chronic health. Yeah, I think any chronic condition, they're just like, oh, you have chronic pain, that's just something you're going to have to live with. That's, like, the most demoralising thing you can hear because you just hear, like, you can't do anything. Yeah, and it's really sad because it's, like, that's the only place we can go. It's not, like, there's loads of other options for like healthcare if you don't want to access a GP and it's like you're literally talking to that person for 10 minutes and if they don't listen to you or if they're a shitty doctor and they don't pick up what you're saying or like they dismiss what you're saying because it's like you could literally only go once a year for a problem that you experience every month and Mm. the progress could be so slow because you speak to doctors every time that are like oh no it's nothing and it's just like, oh my god. And it is really sad because it's like if pain was like something you could physically see or measure. It would never, they wouldn't ever be able to say that that was normal or something that you should just have to deal with. Like occasionally when I have seen people who have like really validated how I'm feeling and have been like, that's not okay. And like just because the doctor says that there's nothing wrong doesn't, like you're the person who knows what you're going through. Mm. And like, just because one doctor said like oh I actually think this is normal nothing's wrong with you like that doesn't mean that like what you're feeling Mm. is not true you know yeah well I would also be interested to see like people that go to medical school how much how much teaching is based on like reproductive health aside from birth like and pregnancy like are they even taught about things like this because it's like we know the effects of, like, medical students and doctors not being taught about trans people. Like, that means that trans people can't access healthcare and are treated really shittily by doctors and, like, pathologized. And it's, like, if they never change the teaching and, like... It's true. If it's just something that isn't even on their radar or something that they don't know enough about to even know what to do, like, what the options are... Yeah, it means that you then have to convince them to refer you to a specialist, which... It took me, like, years to get them to do that in the first place. And then you're, like, on waiting lists. And then they, like, you go and have a scan. And, like, eventually they're just like, oh, yeah, this, you know what you've been saying this whole time? We agree with you now. And I'm like, okay, wow, wow. We're all on the same page. Thank you, Tim. There's always things you can do, even if it's just, like, helping you manage the pain or, like, helping you manage the, the mental 
side of it because it is like it takes a toll on you when you're like I'm just going to be in pain like that is hard to deal with mentally and then when it starts being hard mentally it makes it hard all over again especially like with chronic pain I think just like having support and validation is like such a massive thing yeah well it's also like any kind of like invisible thing either like mental health or something that is like this when it's like a pain that is not visible it's so Mm. easy for other people to act like you're overreacting yeah and it's horrible you don't want to be the one who's like oh I'm always ill I always have to cancel on things because I'm not very well and like it's not nice being that person but like just having people around you who are like literally it's not your fault and like um like if your body is struggling and like and you just need to take a time out then it's not like oh god you're just being weak and like yeah like the people you have around you especially is important to make you feel better about that because otherwise like I've had people who are just like it must just be like oh you always are ill like I swear you were ill last week and I'm like yeah (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't just like go away I can't be like oh yeah well I've actually got a party this weekend so I think I'll just stop feeling any pain that'll be cool right I'll just turn it back on after the weekend it's so sad and it's just like I think it just makes you aware of like how people treat people that like have any kind of disability or any kind of health issue it's like really depressing because a lot of things can be accommodated and shouldn't people shouldn't have to like fight just to get a diagnosis it's like it's about you that's what makes me so frustrated it's like why are doctors so reluctant to even acknowledge someone has a problem like do they have some quota that's like oh you have to like (laughs) make sure that half the people that see you actually have nothing wrong with them like (laughs) literally it's like I just don't see how that is helpful. Just no. No, especially when it's a male doctor and they're just being like, mm-hmm. um, that sounds like it's su-. like literally I've had male doctors be like, that sounds like it sucks. And I'm like, yes, that, I, that's why I'm at the doctor. You <laughs> do realize you're a doctor. <laughs> I saw a really good head nurse here. And I also, there was a really good head nurse in Nottingham. And I went in and she was like, so what's been going on? And I was like, they basically put me on every pill that there is and like, None of them are working. And she just got out, like, you know those giant dictionaries they have that have all the drugs in? Mm. And she literally, like, got me to write down, and she was like, right, never let you put them on, never let them put you on this one, this one, or this one, because they make you depressed. And I was like, okay, this is useful, thank you. <laughs> she was like, why do they put you on that? That's weird. And I was like, I know, it's weird, wasn't it? She was like, that's not even in my weird doc- dictionary. <laughs> She was like, did you get that in Australia? Because they don't have it here. And I was like, no. (laughs) Oh, this is the thing. It's like so nice when you do talk to someone who's understanding. Like it really can change everything. And it's just, it's depressing that one person in 10 minutes can basically put you off course for like solving a medical thing that affects you like every day. Like, yeah, I agree. There's actually quite like so few specialists in like menstrual disorders and stuff like that, that it's really hard to get to see them. And it's like, it should just be something, it either needs to be that more, more people have the specialism or it's more easier to access the specialists, you know? Mm. I shouldn't have to like travel to another city and wait two months to get an appointment with this one person who's like, oh yeah, I know about this. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like in general sexual health, it's like most sexual health centers, like lots of them have been closed recently and it's even harder to get an appointment that's sexual health related because at this point GPs won't even do anything about it like you can't go to a GP and get an STI test like you have to go to the sexual health place and it's just similar for like trans people it's like if you want a fucking appointment at a gender clinic you've got to wait like three years it's crazy and it's It's just like all they do is like take access it's like they just tick stuff off it's like when you go and get diagnosed for being depressed and you're like is that it they're yeah, they're like, like, like BuzzFeed quiz, and uh, yeah, off you go. They're like, like, how many days do you feel sad? Oh yeah, sounds like you're pretty sad. Let's go. <laughs> I literally hate the the ones where you have to circle like how like very very sad, very extremely sad, quite sad. Okay, and like um, I don't know. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Well, just a tip for anyone filling out things like that. Apparently, those tests are designed to assess you on your worst day. Um, yeah so if you do have any kind of things at the doctor where they're saying okay so how does this affect you how do you feel about it describe to them how it affects you on the worst day 
Yes, I always had that problem because I would always like be like, oh, I guess it's not that bad because it's not like I know people who have it worse, and it's like no because then they look at the form and they're like, actually no, you're telling what you're telling me is everything's fine. <laughs> actually, it's not. I think you know what would be good is if you had to. You just, they looked in your, like, photo album in your phone, and it was just, like, they looked at the depression meals you've made and judge how bad you are. <laughs> They're like, well, your camera roll is 80% memes, so you definitely have something going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think they should get access to your camera roll. They're just like, okay, babes. I see that you had a single slice of dry toast yesterday <laughs> <laughs> that you'd left in the toaster and then found later. <laughs> Oh god, it's really sad. Probably people listening like have experience or like maybe even just know like support groups. Like I feel like this is one of the things where you have to like deep dive online to find the like page of people that have all the answers. There's this website that I found recently that um I saw like a thing on Instagram about. Mm -hmm. It's a research thing and they're crowdsourcing um research for chronic illnesses based on like the symptoms that people have so it's basically like um oh i think i saw that many people as possible who have that certain thing it's called stuff that works yeah i saw that and um they have loads of different pages they have a page for like the weird hand eczema that i have and like you just fill in like how long you've had it like what symptoms you have like what makes it uh, what treatments have worked um, or what hasn't worked. And it's so useful just to go on there because, like, like reading the list of, like, triggers for the hand eczema that I have, I was like, oh, yeah, like, that always makes my hands, like, bad. That makes my hands bad. And, like, people were posting, like, I found this cream at this pharmacy and it's amazing. Like, you should all get it. Mm. It's very good. I like, the, I like that website and I just thought it was good. It might be quite triggering if you're, like, not in a good place because there is a lot of people being like I'm literally the doctors keep putting me on different medications and like it's really not working Mm. but I do find it good because then it's like people who have the condition who are in a better place you can be like hey I've tried this it might not work for you but like it took me ages to find out about it and it really worked like sometimes that's just useful because like having to go to the doctors and that being your only source of like conversation about how you feel is like sometimes they just don't bring up options and you don't know that mm. that's something that you could do. I don't know if you've seen that TikTok of the doctor who's like, when someone comes in, I first of all, I ask them like, what do you think it is? Mm. And like, um, ask them about like what they've looked up and like, if there's anything they've looked up and it's made them really worried. Cause he says that's useful because it gives me a gauge of like what, what they think is wrong with them based on what they have. Cause it might be something that I won't consider and I was like, yes, this is the thing. That's like, so literally trust that your patients know what is going on with them. I know. It's like, okay, you who've met me for 10 minutes and have just quickly read my medical notes. And then me, who's lived in my body for like 26 <laughs> years. I exist. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been forced to exist this whole time. Oh, yeah. Well, when I go in, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I think this is wrong with me. Like, this is the thing I think is wrong with me. And then they're like, okay, let's have a look. I always just take a little notebook and I write down the things that I really want to get across. And that helps me a lot because I used to just leave and be like, oh my God, like I didn't say anything that I really wanted to say. And I don't feel like they really understood what I was trying to talk about. But if I go in and I have a list, I'm like, okay, I want them to know these things. Mm. And then it's up to them to like, whether they're a good doctor or not, like. If anyone here listening is a doctor, like, and you have tips on, like, how to convince doctors that, like, you actually need help, like, <laughs> anyone know how to, like, I, make the most of your 10 minutes, like... Literally, it's like going on a speed date, and you need them to, like, be convinced that you're worthy of help, which is just fucked up, but... Like, another thing I've seen is basically, like, if they refuse to do any treatment, you, like, make them write it down in your notes that what you came and said and what they then decided to do... Yes. Because it's annoying if you've been... Just, I, I also, like, I tend to keep a record of, like, definitely keep a record of, like, what medication they've suggested and, like, what dosages. Because sometimes I've just written it down and I've, been, and I've said to them, like, oh, I want to think about it more. And then I've been like, no, I don't want to do that. And just, if they suddenly spring it on you, like, why do you need to put your dose up? And then you're like, uh, I guess, I don't know. I'm always like, I'm just going to have time to think about it and then I'll decide if that's what I want to do. It's not like doctors are shit and don't want to help anyone. It's like they don't have, like, the teaching they need. They don't have the resources they need. They don't even have enough time. And I think 
especially GPs, it must be very easy to fall into just like doing the thing that we always do. Like, oh, we always just increase the dose. And it's like, yeah, but that's actually going to affect me. Like, I have to live. I'm going to have to deal with that for like the three weeks that you're like, we'll just try it out and see what happens. And it's like, I'm the one who has to see what happens though. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I feel like we should do a shout out to everyone who relates to a Victorian child. Like, if you're out there and you feel like you have so many things that are like, quote unquote wrong with you and like so many things that don't make sense or there seems to be nothing that can help them because I think that's one of the most annoying things like when you have a problem that basically has no solution and you're like but it fucking sucks like yeah I don't want to have to be it's not like you can just be like oh okay so that's never going to change let's move on now it's like well that's going to continue to affect me and <laughs> like I hate it by the way <laughs> yeah and I think it's like you have to kind of remember that you're the expert on your body yep. and you and like even if it's something that you so, don't understand you know people can like do a quick google and then be like oh i read about this thing called this have you tried that and it's like i literally have had this condition the whole time like that can be annoying it's like yes i also have access to google <laughs> <laughs> i've also googled this once they get to the best point is when they're like i can't do anything apart from like be here for you and yeah. like try and help like support you and what you need i'm not trying to fix you and i'm not that's good that's good. Beautiful. Okay, I'm glad that you brought some like actual wisdom to the agenda. Is it just <laughs> Sorry, like cut an onion in half? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cut an onion in half, put in some tomato sauce, and then take it out. <laughs> Have you tried making your own pasta sauce from scratch? I fully appreciate that. I don't want to hear about depressing stuff all the time, but somehow I've been the one to bring it up. <laughs> it's okay. I mean. The bisexual agenda is the number one source for medical help and news. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been let down by a doctor near you? (laughs) So have we. Oh God. Yeah, it's sad. And also I would say if you are a student right now and you're with your student medical practice and it sucks, you don't have to be there. You can be a normal person at a normal GP. Leaving the student thing was the best decision I made. And you just go online and, like, look up. There's always a list where you can see the GP surgeries, like, in your area. And it will have a rating. And it will also say how many, what the gender split of the GPs is. And I literally just picked the best rated one near me that had loads of women. (laughs) And I was like, cool. And it turned out great. 